Welcome to Centerpoint Church, where we're all about loving and leading people to a life-changing connection with Christ. We're so excited that you decided to join us today, and we believe that no matter where you're listening from, this message will enhance your connection with Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, good morning, Centerpoint Church. Man, I was so fired up. I was, I was looking at the screen. I was here in the base, and I was like, God, they're like, oh, that's you. I said, oh, that's me. Like, let me get. Hey, listen, I think Brenda told me, uh, and I think I'm really, I'm, I don't think, I'm stoked that they told me, uh, now, unless you lied to me, she said, you know, you're the first one to preach with that LED wall behind you. So come on, give it up for God for the new LED. It's going to make me preach and look a lot better. In Jesus' name. But uh, I'm honored to be here. Listen, I, I consider myself family. I love Pastor John and Pastor Ann. Uh, they're taking their sabbatical and they need that. And uh, I'm glad that pastor, your pastors have the wherewithal to know the power behind rest. And I tell everybody is that if we as pastors, as speakers, as communicators, if we don't take a moment to rest, then we can never get a fresh breath of revelation. And so I'm excited that your pastors got to take their rest and they called this chocolate brother all the way out here <laughs> to spend time with y'all this morning. And, uh, and so I want to honor them today. Everybody watching online, I want to honor you. And then also, uh, I'm excited because well, normally uh, my wife is here with me. My son plays competitive soccer, so she's at a tournament and uh, he's doing his thing. But her childhood best friend is here in the building. I mean, they used to ride down trash cans down the street. Don't ask me how. They were clean. They were clean. They were clean. And uh, brand new. But uh, she's here with me this morning. And so I'm so stoked her best friend is here. She's seen my wife through some of the craziest times. And so I'm honored to be here. And lastly, I'm going to say this so I can get into the word because I know that's what y'all came for. And uh, I'm stoked and I'm excited because everybody knows if you follow me on Instagram, uh, you know that I always start my days off by saying, God morning, God morning. And so it's not just a saying for me, it's a way of life. And the reason why I say God morning is because when we start our mornings off, we started off with so many other things. We started off with texts, Twitters, uh, uh, tweets, and, and, and news, and, and all of these different things. But one of the biggest assets that I found is that when we begin our day focusing on God, you not only have a good day, but you have a God day. And when you have a God-centered day that's full of God's favor, God's mercy, God's grace, God's blessing. And so it's not just a good day. It's a God day. It's a God morning. And so my wife and I have not released it openly. We've just been going to a few places. But I was stoked because we brought our God morning hats out there. And uh, this is something you can wear all throughout the day. We got different colors. I chose the brightest one because a brother just likes bright. And so uh, this is your by the beach. This is your by the pool. Um, we brought some bright colors today, so make sure we, uh, I brought them a couple places, so uh, make sure that you guys go get your hats out there so you can rock that. But also, I know last time I was supposed to bring the books, and, uh, and my wife wasn't with me, so I forgot everything. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited for you guys to be able to get this today. We brought it in the back. Uh, by the dang coffee is this book, and, and it came from a place in my life where Nadia and I wanted more. We were striving for more. We were new. They said, God wants you to have more. God wants you to be blessed. And I was like, yeah. And so I'm trying to build more. And everybody tells you when you're trying to build a life of finances and, and excess and things like that, they tell you cut back. And I was like, wait, what? That sounds really weird. And then so I started doing that. I cut back. I cut back from everything. Your brother cut back so much I became depressed. 
because I had no joy in anything. I cut back so much. I was a guy who went to my neighbors like, yo, man, um, is your Wi-Fi out too? Can you reset your router so I can? And I, I was just connected. Oh, y'all don't know that. They're like, what are you talking about? I wasn't always saved. I was like halfway saved that time. I was using his Wi-Fi because the Lord says he provides. But I took some of the biggest principles in my life during that moment where we had nothing, where I felt like a failure. I took the moments and the principles from God's word, and God challenged me. He says, I want you to go to Starbucks. I want you to go buy a cup of coffee. And, and not just a cup of coffee. My wife likes the grande ice, soy chai, extra pump of chai, and the chocolate croissant not warmed up. That's just what my wife likes. And so I used to buy it for her all the time. So when God told me, I want you to go buy coffee, I said, God, you don't understand. I'm trying to cut back. That's $7.47 like a... And God said, no, I want you to go buy the coffee. And I was like, no, God, I don't want to buy the coffee. I'm trying to save. He said, would you go buy the coffee? He said, fine, I'm going to go buy the dang coffee. That's where the title came from. So I get there, and I walk in, and I boom, I open the door. And the moment I walk in, they go, Jeff. And I look around. It's so good to see you. I said, me? They said, yeah. So I walk up to the front, and they said, would you like the usual? Grande ice, soy chai, extra pump of chai, chocolate croissant, not warmed up. I said, absolutely. So I give them my money, shaking like, God, please don't. I ain't trying to be broke no more. Like, God, help, help a brother out. And when I did it, there was something that happened. In that exchange, I looked around and I saw that people were actually living. I saw that people were paying for something that they enjoyed, and the moment that transaction happened, I heard God say to me, I'm your source and I never run out. And so in that moment, I made a promise to myself that I would never stop buying the dang coffee. And so I came in again and again and again. I scrounged for change again and again, but it started changing my mindset. And the coffee may be one thing, and it may be another thing, but that coffee for me could represent, or for you may represent a dress or a shoe or, or you driving to a neighborhood. It's believing God for increasing your life. And so I took every principle that I learned, and if this book is not that thick, it's double-spaced. Um, <laughs> but it's an espresso shot, and I believe that if you get it, I promise you it'll be the greatest investment into your future. Buy it for somebody. It's out there so you can... Uh, you can do that. Can I have somebody grab this for me real quick, please? Thank you. Look, Brenda, that matches you too. Go ahead. <laughs> so with that being said, who's ready for the word? We're going to get into it. I got 28 minutes and 34 seconds. So I want to make sure I do it. Before I get started, I just saw something that blessed my soul tremendously. And I didn't realize it. Almost 20 years ago, I was working at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Hello. Yeah. Your boy had the afro, and then back then it was B2K, so I had the little braids with the beads at the end. Don't judge me. My wife came through the drive-thru, and she wasn't my wife then, but I remember I had a, somebody who I used to work with, and we became close friends. And so we'd be cleaning the, uh, the little child play place that's smelling like Fritos and Chuck E. Cheese tunnels. And in the middle of us cleaning, she's like, yo, I got a friend for you. I really want you to meet. I said, no, nah, I don't do blind dates. She said, no, no, you don't understand. I got somebody I really want you to meet. You're going to love her. And I was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I don't do blind dates. So she came through the drive-thru. And, and sure enough, it was uh, Nadia. And so her, this friend was adamant, like, y'all got to get together. And I have not seen her in almost 20 years. And Tiffany is in 
the building. I know you so embarrassed, girl. Could you wave your hand? She is the reason why I have the love of my life today. Love you, girl. I'm so stoked that you're here. Joshua 18.3, I'm done giving shout-outs like I'm at a war ceremony. Joshua 18.3, it reads like this. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers have given you? How long will you neglect to possess the land. I am continuing in our series, Legends, here, and I want to talk about a legend by the name of Joshua. Now, we know Joshua. We know his battle of where he's at, but in the midst of me trying to figure out what I was going to preach about and what I was going to talk about, I was trying to figure out this witty uh, intro, maybe something that would really, like, like grab your attention, and, and I was stuck. This was just yesterday. I knew the message. That was already, but in my intro... Because your intro got to have some power. It's got to have some juice. And so I was stuck, and I didn't have anything. So I called one of my friends who was a pastor. I said, man, I, I'm struggling because I'm figuring out, man, I, I want to have this intro. I want to preach. I want to figure out what it is, but I don't know this intro. And he asked me this question. He says, when was the moment that you realized that it was time for you to possess your land? And then I was like, man, to be honest with you, it sounds funny. But I was in a meeting. And I was working for this company for, I think, five years. And so they plan out the whole year and what it looks like and how we're doing this. And, each, you know, uh, Christmas time is coming. And so I'm sitting down and I'm looking at it. They say, okay, we got an announcement to make. And I said, what's the announcement? They said, we want to let you know that blackout dates where you cannot accept time off is on Christmas Day. And you can touch a lot of holidays. But when you start messing with my eggnog... And Elf, I got a little problem. I got, I got, I was sitting down, I was looking, I said, wait, so you mean that I can't, like, spend Christmas with my family? They said, no, Christmas Day is off. I said, what am I supposed to do? Well, you can celebrate Christmas uh, maybe, like, the week before. I said, but then it's not Christmas. And I said, wait, well, but what, Christmas Day is my birthday. And they're like, well, you can enjoy some family time, like, the week before. And in that moment, I said, okay. And in that moment, they knew he gone. <laughs> because that small moment did something for me where I realized that there was a threshold that I had reached personally. When my family became the thing that I was sacrificing was what I was sacrificing for worth it. And I began to just, and most people are like, okay, well, what do you mean? I said, well, because I remember at first I was praying for an opportunity. I said, God, would you just bless me with an opportunity? And so I stepped into the opportunity, and I was excited. And then after the opportunity came, then I moved into training. And I was excited because I was training, and I was there, and I was learning. And then I just got complacent with training, not forgetting that I was being trained for something. And so I started thinking a little bit more, and I said, how many of us ask God, God, if you just give me an opportunity to start a business, I'll do it. God, if you just give me an opportunity to find love, then I'll do it. If you just give me an opportunity, I'll be so happy with it. And we get the opportunity, and we just stick in opportunity. And then you're like, God, look, okay, can you move me to training? And so now you're in training. You're taking all the classes here at Centerpoint. You're connecting with everybody and their mama. Like, I hear you're, you're, you're learning in your jobs, in your business. You're training and training and training. And some of us have been training for 15 years. 
And we've gotten complacent with just training. Not realizing that the season that we've been training for was for us to possess a promise. I'm just setting this up real quick. Because there comes a moment in our lives where we have to analyze and ask the question, how long is me failing to possess what God wants me to possess affecting those I love? So this morning, I want to talk to you in the next 22 minutes about the power of possession. Now, Joshua's here in this season where they've entered into the promised land because the children of Israel, much like myself, they say, God, look, we, we want freedom. So God leads them out of Egypt into the wilderness, and now they're in the wilderness, which is the place of training, because God is wanting them to learn how to trust on him. And then they move into a little season of training, they enter into the promised land, and now they have been fighting for seven years, taking battles for seven years. This is chapter 18 we're in. We're not in chapter 1, we're in chapter 18 now. They're seasoned in fighting, and yet there remain seven tribes that have not taken on their promise. Seven. Seven tribes that have not stepped into what they have been training and fighting for. And Joshua is older in his age, and they're complaining amongst one another, and Joshua finally says, how long are you going to neglect to walk up and possess the land that has already been promised to you? And when I thought about this series in legend, I felt like God was asking this question, how long? Are you going to wait to step into everything that I have for you? How long are you going to wait to step into that relationship that I have for you? How long are you going to wait to see your business flourish? How long is it going to take you to possess what I've called you to inherit? Now, I want you to understand what inheritance means. Inheritance simply means it's property passing to the heir or those entitled to succeed. That's what an inheritance is. Not only that, the promised land means a spiritual reality of real estate and a real state of mind and heart. In other words, when we're talking about the promised land, a promised land is a geographical location that God has promised you and your family. I'm going to get y'all in a little bit. When we're talking about your promised land, when we're talking about an inheritance, that means that God has given you a call and a mark on your life to succeed. And so the real question is, is why aren't we succeeding? Why is it that most of us are in the, well, listen, let me, let me explain this to you. We are in the greatest transfer of wealth that we will have ever seen right now. When you're watching people in the business world, and I coach these companies, they are making more money now than ever before. Content creators on YouTube are making an Instagram, are making more money now than ever before, not because of the economy, but because they saw the opportunity. And everything in your life is predicated on your perspective and how you see things. And so there's never a problem with the economy. It's always a problem with my perspective and what I see. And so this morning, as I give you these last points, I want you to really step into this place and you understand that God wants you to possess your land. More than ever, the kingdom of God is about territory. Whoever has the most territory is the one who gets to establish their reign. And so God is wanting us to establish territory in our lives, territory in our marriage, territory with our children. And so the real question 
is, is, is what about the scriptures that we have? And I put some scriptures down that we quote that sound really good. Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. We quote that. If you're a Christian, you won't quote that in John 3, 16. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, bless God. But most of us really don't take an idea of what that means. When we talk about conquerors, you're talking about like Alexander the Great. When you're talking about people who conquered things, you're talking about Genghis Khan. You're talking about these guys who the world calls them conquerors. They conquered kingdoms and continents and countries. And yet the scripture says in Romans that we are more than So if the scripture says we're more than conquerors, why do you feel like you can't conquer the illness that the enemy put on your life? Why do you feel like you can't conquer the season of loneliness or setbacks in your life? Why do you feel like you can't conquer this issue that you're dealing with in your marriage? If the word of God says we're more than conquerors, that means we can conquer more than any situation that we're talking about. We have to get a proper perspective on the word of God. Philippians 4.13, we know it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me except. Because it sounds so convenient for us to quote it when we're feeling good, but when it's not feeling good, then all of a sudden we stop being conquerors. We stop being able to do all things through Christ. And so it becomes I can do all things through whoever can hook me up. I can do all things through Christ, through, 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 through the algorithms and through society and all of these different things. But God has charged us to possess our land. And so why is it that we can't possess our land? Philippians 4.19 says, he shall meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So I want you to see the scripture that has backed this up. Because Joshua is telling them, listen, there has been a promise that has been given to you since the beginning of time. From Moses all the way through, God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to show you everything. I've already said it, so it's already done. Everyone say it's done. So I want to figure out why can't I inherit my land? Why am I not possessing my land? What is the ingredients? What are the four ingredients that you can give me of how I can possess my land. Number one, I want you to write this down. You have to be willing to inherit your inheritance. The word to inherit means I have to receive it for myself. It doesn't matter how much you have it in front of you. If you're not willing to inherit your inheritance, an inheritance means nothing. Look at this verse. I love this verse, how it reads it like this in Joshua 21, 43 through 45. The moment that the children of Israel chose, this is chapter 21 when you see it. So the Lord God gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers, and not a man of their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hands. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. When you inherit your land, God gives you a promise that says there will be nobody that can stand up against you. When you take a position to inherit your land, I want you to understand, it says that God gave them all of their promises. You mean to tell me the moment that I choose to take possession, God's going to give me all? Like, I want y'all to get this. I know it's early, but y'all better wake up. 
Some of you have some promises that are partial promises right now. Some of us are sitting in partial words right now. Some of us are sitting in partial dreams and, and relationships where you have a, an image of it, but you're not sitting all the way in it. And what God is saying is, how long will it take you before you possess what I want you to possess? How long is it going to take you to, for you to possess and inherit the sound mind that I want you to have? How long is it going to take for you to inherit your inheritance? And inheritance means that somebody had to die and leave you something. The man that we were singing about, the person that we dance about, the person that we come every Sunday to see, when you're scared, we call out his name, but we forget that he just didn't die to die. Let me try it right here. He didn't die just to die. He didn't die just to hang on the cross. And I feel like sometimes when we get to Jesus, we just stop at the cross. But the cross was never the end destination. The cross was simply a bridge to get us to our final destination, which is power and possession of the promises of God. And if I only see Jesus as him being on the cross, I limit what I'm able to inherit. Jesus came so that we may have life and life more abundantly. My question is, is, are you living an abundant life? And I'm not just talking monetarily. Do you have an abundance of joy? Do you have an abundance of peace? Do you have an abundance of courage? Do you have an abundance of strength? Do you have an abundance of love in your life? Because that's what he died to give you. And so number one, you got to inherit your inheritance because nobody can do it for you. But I want to highlight something. It says that he gave all. Not only did he give all, when they took possession, it says he gave them rest. And some of us are restless because we're not in our promised place. But when you inherit your inheritance, it says you'll have rest. Not only did he give rest, he says no enemy can stand against you when you're in your promised place. I'm, I'm I'm going to say that. Number two, I want you to understand something. The second thing that you have to do is you have to put your soul into it. In order for you to walk in the power of possession, you have to put your soul into it. Look at what the scripture says in Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all of the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Then he goes on to say this in verse 13, and it shall come to pass... As soon as the what of your feet? As soon as the soles of your feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord and the word of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. Now I want you to understand something. That when we talk about you being able to put your soul into it, there's two types of soul. You have your soul... And you have your soul. That's why I have my Jordans on. 
When we're talking about soul, it was amazing that I've heard it said before that the soles of your feet are one of the most sensitive and vulnerable places of your body. And when he asked them to put the soul into what you're believing God for, it says the waters began to part. Could it possibly be that the reason why most of us aren't stepping into what God has for us is because we're not putting our soul into it? We may be dipping a toe into it. Maybe like your big toe, like. But it says the sole of your feet, which means you're stepping all the way into it. Yeah. It means that there is no area that is left to chance or risk. You're all the way inside of what God has called you to possess. And sometimes God cannot part the storm in your life because you haven't put your whole soul into the promise of God. There was something that is said about saying, I'm all the way in. They used to ask me, well, hey, man, I know you want to preach, but nobody's booking you to go and speak. You got to have a plan B. I said, why? I said, plan A is what God showed me. Well, what if plan A doesn't work? I rewrite plan A. Did you hear what I just said? Most of us are missing on possessing what God wants us to possess because we have plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, in case something doesn't work right. But God says every one of my words that come forth out of my mouth, when they go, they will not return void. And so when God gives you a promise of peace, when God gives you a promise of joy, when God gives you a promise of excess, when God gives you a promise of abundance, when God gives you a promise, he says every word that I speak over your life is yes and amen in Christ. I'm waking y'all up this morning because I got nine minutes left. I want you to understand this because tonight I get to preach again and tonight is part two of this message. Well, I believe that we are in a season where God wants us to possess everything. He wants us to possess everything that he's called for us to possess. But not only that, it says you got to put your soul into it. And I put S-O-U-L. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your imagination. And when I talk about imagination, I'm talking about your heart image. Because you will never be able to possess above the highest image of how you hold yourself in your heart. I'm going to say that again because that was good with 15 O's. You will never be able to possess and step into what you cannot see yourself stepping into here. So you being able to possess the promise of God, for you to be able to step into and possess that child that you're believing God for, that house that you're believing God for, the healing that you're, it's going to have to change your soul, your mind, will, emotions, and imaginations. In other words, you've got to change your mind and how you're thinking. You cannot have forward-moving promises and backward-thinking thoughts. Man, God, you can supply all of my needs according to Christ Jesus, but you know my bank account got a whole bunch of zero. God, I believe that you can hear me, but you oh, shoot, my back hurts right now. And I, it's amazing to me that we have forward-thinking promises but backward-thinking thoughts, and we're asking God, why aren't you blessing me? When I'm looking to possess everything that God has for me, I have to change my mind and how I'm thinking. I had to drive down to Huntington Beach and Newport Beach because I was so tired of poverty 
that I had to just get around people. And I don't care whether they had it, they had the appearance that they had it, and I need to get into that atmosphere. When I wanted power and anointing, I had to get around people who had power and anointing because I knew that's what I was missing in my life. I had to change my stinking thinking and upgrade my system. This is what it takes for us to possess our power and possess our promise. Your mind, your will, that means you got to have a different willpower. You've got to have the will to push through because quitting is not an option when you have your promise. Do you understand who's, at, who's attached to the other side of your obedience? Your children are waiting for you to step into your promise. Your legacy and your seed is waiting for you to step into your promise. The people around you that God has connected to your dreams and your purpose are waiting for you to step into your dream and your purpose. How can we not take possession of that land? How can we not move into this area where we are and how can we not put our soul into it? Mind, will, emotion, you got to upgrade your emotions. Some of us are too emotional. I know it's a sensitive subject. God, if it ain't just one thing, it's another thing, and I just keep getting hit, and every time you said it, I'm praying, I said, you call my name. <laughs> and the first time you step out of church, the devil will bow. Oh, God. <laughs> We're too emotional. Can I tell you something? God is not moved by our emotions. He's moved by his principles. Did you hear what I just said? That was worth your gas money this morning. Some of us think that through our emotions we can manipulate God to see how terrible we are and how sad we are and how much pain I am. And God says, I love you and I feel for you, but I got some principles that if you would just utilize these principles, you can possess what I want you to possess. Ask me how I know. Mind, will, emotions, and imaginations, you got to upgrade the way that you see yourself. You are not what they called you. Anytime Jesus changed a name in the Bible or God did it, he changed it because it was an upgrade. That was good, Jeff. Anytime God changed a name in the Bible, it was because it was an upgrade. So anytime somebody changes your name in your life and it's not an upgrade, it didn't come from God. And if God did not change your name, then your name didn't change. If God didn't call you broke, then you're not broke. If God didn't call you broken, then you're not broken. If God didn't tell you that you are helpless or call you helpless, you're not helpless. If God did not change your name, don't let nobody else change it. You're blessed. You're whole. You're healed, and you're just waiting for the manifestation of it. Amen. Did you hear what I'm saying to you? I want you to catch this. Because we are living in a time and age where if you're not possessing your land like the children of Israel, somebody else is inhabiting the promise that God has for you. Did you hear that? Somebody else has what's supposed to be yours. And so the real question is, is why didn't the children of Israel possess their land? I love this. Because number three, you got to understand that you got to kill your giants. In order, that's right, kill it. In order for you to step into the promise and the possession that God has for you, please know that there's giants in the land.
The children of Israel have been fighting for seven years. Seven years, and some scholars would say that the reason why they didn't possess their land was because they got so complacent living in somebody else's promise that they didn't want it for themselves. They looked at it and said, man, we got that hilltop country over there. We got all that land. We're too big. We'll go get it. Wow, but there's giants there. Then I got to move my family, and then we got to relocate, and then we got to fight again. And, you know, I've just been fighting for so long, and, God, I'm just tired of fighting. Can't you just give me? And God says, I already gave it to you. But it's your job to go possess it. Some of us are waiting for God to give us something that he's already given you. He said, I gave you a promise, but you got to possess the promise. I gave you your land, but you got to step foot in that land. And that's why he says everywhere the soles of your feet touch, I'm going to give you that land. Do you realize that your calling and your purpose is a geographical location? You want me to prove it to you? Right now, if you look on Google and you look at my phone, where I'm standing right now is an actual geographical coordination. Longitude, latitude, time, moments, all of it. If you go to Starbucks and you meet with somebody, do you realize that that's a geographical location? If you go into a job to go survey a site, do you know that that's a geographical location? In other words, everywhere you go is a geographical location. If we are not possessing the land that God has for us because we refuse to move, we are missing the geographical location of our blessing. But there's giants. You don't understand the, 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 the results that the doctors gave me. That's a giant. You don't understand my husband and my wife, that's a giant. You don't understand where I'm going for, that's a giant. I've got giants in my land, but in order for us to possess everything that God wants us to possess, we have to be willing to kill the giants. We cannot be so complacent in living in somebody else's dream that we don't go after our own. This is the children of Israel watch everybody else get their allotment. And seven tribes just got used to getting handed crumbs. How long are you going to sit in somebody else's promise before you possess your own? I, I love what Joshua says. And somebody can come up and play some keys. I'm about to get on my last point. Make me sound real holy right now. Joshua 17, 16 through 17 says, the people of Joshua, Joseph said to Joshua, why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for inheritance? We are a numerous people and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. The people of jo Joseph replied, the hill country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who live in the plains have chariots fitted with irons, but those in Beth Shan and settlements and those in the valley. But Joshua said to the tribe of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, they said, you are, num you are numerous and very powerful. You will not only have one allotment, but the forest hill country as well. Clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chairs fitted with iron, though they are strong, you can drive them out. Though it looks like other people have the weapons that are better than you, God says you can drive them out. Though it looks like they have all the qualifications that you may not have, God says since my promise is on you, you can drive them out. I understand how long you've been in your situation in your marriage, but God says you're strong enough to handle this. You will drive it out. Whatever giants are in your life and in your purpose and in your dream, God says they may look like they're able, but I'm able to drive everything in your life out. Kill your giants. I need three people to say, kill your giant. You got to be in a place in your life where you're willing to kill the giants in front of you. 
And it's amazing because whatever started off as small grows up into giants later on. So if you don't kill that thinking off now, it's going to turn into a giant later. If you don't change the way you look at yourself now, it's going to turn into a giant later. And guess what? Even if it's a giant now, God says you are able. Somebody say to yourself, I'm able. Sometimes you just got to get into a place where you can say that I'm able. It's my last and final point and I'm done. Number four, in order to possess your, your, your calling, the power of possess, number four, you have to stack your stones. In Joshua 4, 6, it says, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. The thing that gives us the greatest ability to stack our stones was the moment where he said, listen, grab all the stones from the bottom of the Jordan River and I want you to stack them. And once you stack these stones, these stones will serve as a memorial that you walk through the bottom of the Jordan River in the middle of flood season. The reason why some of us miss seasons of possessing the power and the goal and the vision that God wants is because we forgot all the times that we were standing in front of obstacles in our lives that never looked like we were supposed to make it. We stood in front of sickness and illness and it looked like we weren't going to make it. We weathered a pandemic and it didn't look like it was going to make it. But God, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God, but God. But God came through. God came through for your marriage because you're still standing. God came through for your health because you're still here. I am standing on this stage because I remember the moments where God came through for me when nobody else would. When nobody else could. I had to stack my stones. When I felt like I didn't have enough, I had to stack my stones. When I felt like I was outnumbered by the enemy, I had to stack my stones. When I knew that my marriage was in shambles, I had to stack my stones and say, God, you did it for them. You can do it for me. You will never possess what God wants you to possess until you learn to stack your stones. Where has God come through for you? Time and time and time again where you thought he wasn't able to do it. I'm talking to you here. I'm talking to you there online. I got two minutes to do this altar call because I want you to understand how powerful this is. The greatest key to elevation and possession is gratefulness. When you are grateful for what God has brought you through, the enemy can't convince you of anything less. You weathered storms that people said you weren't supposed to get through and you still standing. I want everybody to stand on your feet right now. See, this could be one of those messages where it's like, yo, this is great. But I want you to understand something that this is your season to possess your promise. We're not waiting anymore. 
You don't have to wait anymore for God to change your marriage. You don't have to wait anymore for God to give you that baby that you've been believing for. You don't have to wait anymore for that house. You don't have to wait anymore for your calling or your purpose. You don't have to wait anymore for God to touch your mind and clear your thoughts and take away everything that is robbing you of your peace, any depression or anxiety. You don't have to wait anymore. God says, would you just possess it for yourself? So here we are in this moment. And my prayer is that you heard what I was telling you. This is going to allow you to step into your promised land. In part two tonight, I'm going to show you what happens when you're in your promised land. And I'm going to pray tonight. And break out and break through what's going to happen tonight for your life. So you want to come. If you can get here, you better find a way to get here. Because it's time to possess. This is just a prerequisite. But if you're in this place, I want everybody to stand up and you feel like, man, Pastor Jeff, it's crazy. Man, I... I need a, I need a, I'm like T.D. Jakes now. Good Lord, I've elevated. I've always wanted to do this. Brenda, I appreciate you, girl. Dang it. Get ready, get ready, get ready. No, I'm playing with y'all. Just. But maybe somebody's in this place, and I, want, I really, really want to honor this time. And you're looking at me and saying, Jeff, how do you know about possessing your land? If y'all ain't been here and you've seen me before, I'm an ex-felon, ex-drug dealer, 16 years to life in prison was what I was sentenced to. They told me that I would never go anywhere. They would tell me that I would never do anything. They told me nobody wanted to hear me speak. They told me that I couldn't do anything when I was recycling trash cans to take care of my family. They didn't see what God saw. But I was just crazy enough to believe that Jesus, who died on the cross, died to give me something that nobody can take away. And that was salvation. He qualified me. Nobody else did. My brother still can't even get TSA pre-check because of my background. But I still fly first class, bless God. Some of you are in this place and you feel like your sin is so thick. You're so far from God that he can't co-sign on you. But Jesus said, I already did it. It's sealed in my blood. How do I get over my marriage? It's sealed by his blood. How do I get healed? It's healed. It's sealed by his blood. But my kids got this and my kids is in his blood. Everything you need has been covered by the blood of Jesus. Everything. So if you're here, I'm not even going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes because I tell everybody when we was in the club, we were looking to see if anybody was looking at us. <laughs> I wasn't hiding my sin. I was living all the way out. So when you're making the best decision of your life, I'm not going to ask you to hide it. If you're in this place and you say, man, Pastor Jeff, PJ, Jeff, I don't know what this is, but if God can do it for you, I need him to do it for me. If that's you in this place and you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord, say, I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of hitting this wall. I'm tired of not possessing my land. I'm tired of watching people win. If that's you and you don't know Jesus, but you need him in your life, just lift your hand real quick in this place. I see you. I love that. I see that hand. Beautiful. Anybody else? Anybody else? Beautiful. I love it. Now, we're going to say a prayer together as a family, and then I'm going to say one more prayer and we'll be done. Am I good? Okay. I want everybody to repeat. When we say this, let's not say it like we ain't possessing land. Somebody saying this prayer, he's holding his son. It means the world to that baby boy. Because his daddy made a decision to possess his land. So let's say this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, 
Thank you for dying on the cross to connect me to my Father. Today, today, I choose to refocus my mind, my thoughts, and my intentions towards you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me white as snow. From this moment on, I choose, I choose, I choose to step into all you have for me. In Jesus' name. And all my people who believe it say amen and amen. I love you guys. I'll see you tonight. And I'll see you out there signing books. God bless you guys.